Great seeing our founding pastors up there. They look great. Very attractive couple. Um, um, anyway, I'm so glad y'all are here. I'm Alvin. If you are uh, new here, I serve as lead pastor at the church, and, and I'm honored to have you here with us. It's day one, as you heard, of our, our 21 days of, of prayer and fasting. Um, just so you guys know the way that it works, we're, we're praying corporately, like you said, like, 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 we, like you heard, I should say. But the, the fasting portion is, uh, might be more simple than some of you guys assumed or thought. Uh, Wednesday is the only day that we're asking the church to fast with us, and we're asking everyone to fast from uh, food uh, to 6 p.m. at least. Um, I would love to see some people go the whole day. If you think you got it in you, uh, let's go. Um, but um, that's really it. Uh, some people thought that maybe it was a Daniel fast on top of that. Uh, if, if you want to Daniel fast, you're more than welcome to. Um, I, I won't be, but you are <laughs> welcome to. Um, so in case you did think that it was only fruits and vegetables, all, like, like I said, go for it, but that's not what we're asking. We just really want Wednesday to be how we do it this time. Um, but yeah, excited to get into the Word today. Uh, we have uh, a good amount to cover through, but uh, I think we can get it through it, and I'm going to be on time, in Jesus' name. Uh, repeat these words after me if you can. Uh, the Word of God is the bread of life. May my heart conceive it, and my life achieve it. In the name of Jesus, amen. And we, we do that um, because I really believe that this is a, a supernatural time. Um, it's something that we have to remind ourselves that, you know, this isn't just words on a page, but this is God's word. It's alive. It's meant to transform our lives from the inside out. It does surgery on our heart. It, it works out our brain. It, it really does some amazing things for us if we let it. So this is more than just, you know, 30 minutes or so of you hearing a, a dude talk. This is uh, God's word that we're getting into, and I'm praying that it, it produces great transformation and benefits in your lives. Uh, hello to everybody also watching online. Glad you're here. And let's get into it. Um, the year for the year theme for our uh, year is withstanding the wind. Withstanding the wind is the theme for 2022 if it's your first time. And we are really uh, asking the Lord to, to train us up, to build us up in a way where we are able to withstand the obstacles and the setbacks and the temptations and the things that can really uh, take us off path with, with, with Jesus. Um, this is something that's a part of our walk. The Bible is not shy about telling us the, the obstacles and the trials and the temptations that this faith walk comes with. And if we aren't properly uh, informed and equipped, then we can really succumb to the, the winds of our day. And I'm going to take a little bit of a different approach for the month of August, and I want to talk about faith. Uh, faith, I believe, is a tool, a very valuable tool in our lives as we learn how to follow Jesus and to, as well, withstand the winds of, of, of our time. Um, I want to talk about why we need faith, 
what faith is, how it comes, who has it, and uh, when to use it. And we're going to try to cover all of that uh, this month. Um, we are partnering up with Church of the Highlands as well as several other churches for this 21 days of prayer and fasting. And that's actually the theme of the fast that we're doing. It's great faith. Great faith is the theme for these 21 days. So I figured we would talk about that on Sundays as a church. And like I said, hundreds of churches are starting the 21 days uh, today um, with us. So we're, we're, we're with people, and it comes with a plan. As you guys will see, every day for these 21 days, there will be scriptures that we'll focus on, and that scripture is meant to inspire a prayer for that day. And if you want, like they said, if you, if you text 21 FAST to 77411, you'll get a personalized uh, uh, devotional, like just a very brief greeting from our pastoral staff, and we'll go through that scripture and we'll say a prayer. Um, we only are sending it to those who agree to, to receive them. So unless you do text 21 fast, uh, you, you, won't, you won't get them. But we would love for you to see our faces in the mornings as we uh, lead you in prayer for that day based on that scripture. Uh, the overall scripture i got two that I want to share mainly. There's an overall scripture for the 21 days, and then there's the scripture for today, day one uh, of these 21 days. I'll start off with the overall scripture, and that is Hebrews 11, 1 and 6. And the way I'm going to read it is going to go straight from 1 to 6 to kind of show a complete thought. And it's the New Living Translation. It says, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. And then it goes to verse 6. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So there's a lot in this passage that we can take away from, even just without even moving on. In that passage alone, we learn some very key things, and that is faith is confidence, and not necessarily self-confidence, though I do believe uh, self-confidence and confidence in who you are in Christ is a byproduct of, of, of faith, but I think the confidence that the Word is speaking about is confidence that God can make happen what you hope for. The things that you're hoping for, faith gives you confidence that what you're hoping to happen will happen. Very simple, but it's very powerful. If you have hope that what you, if you have confidence, I should say, that what you hope for will actually happen. Faith gives you that. Um, faith also gives you assurance that's another very uh, solidifying word, a very uh, rooted word, having assurance, specifically in the things that you can't see, which is also really important in your life because so much of what you deal with, actually I believe most of what you deal with on a day-to-day -day basis exists in the unseen world. And if you don't have the ability to navigate and understand the unseen world, you will find yourself not able to even make it through your life. Uh, and that's important, so to have assurance that, that what we hope for and the things that we can't see 
those things are happening. The other thing that we see that faith is, is faith is a requirement to have a pleasing relationship with God. I told them first service, I try to stay away from words like required and mandatory. I kind of like to use the word, you know, we encourage you to come and things like that because humans don't usually respond well to demands. At the same time, I can't, I can't get around this. Like the Bible says that it's required to have faith to please God. It's impossible to please the Lord without faith, without the ability to believe in what you don't see and to believe that what you hope for will happen. The Bible says you have to have that in order to have a pleasing relationship with God. And then it goes on to explain why. It says you can't even approach God without first believing that he exists, even though you can't see him. And then on top of that, you can't only believe that he exists, you have to believe that he has a personality and a character that wants to reward you for seeking him. And the word says that we can't even come to God unless we have that foundational belief. Um, the good news is that everybody here, according to scripture, has been given a measure of faith. Now, you might not have a lot, but the reason why that's not even that bad news because the Bible says you don't even have to have a lot. You just have to use what you have. So even if you only have this little, if you use it, you can still rock the world. You can still see mountains move. You can still see incredible things happen in your life and through your life. And I believe that no matter how you identify, even if you say I'm, a, I'm an agnostic, you know, I'm still searching, uh, you still, according to Scripture, have a measure of faith. You've got something to get that engine going when it comes to having a relationship with God. And I want to encourage you about that. Um, and we need all these things, especially from the theme to withstand the wind. I've, I've learned from personal experience, without confidence, the confidence that faith gives all the enemy has to do is use discouragement and doubt, and you're gone. Confidence is what gives you the ability to withstand discouragement and insecurity and doubt, the things that have robbed so many people. I could cry thinking about how many people have been robbed from God's promises simply because of insecurity and discouragement and doubt. And God says that faith gives you confidence it gives you assurance in the things that you can't see, which is really important because we are very uh, sensual beings. We, we live by what we taste and what we smell and what we see and what we can touch. And that's how we usually even discern what's real and what's not, which is bad news for people who need faith to have, to, you know, because you have to really uh, learn how to live apart from those senses, you have to learn to tap into a whole nother uh, group of senses that deals with the unseen world, things that, that go beyond what you can see and smell and touch and feel. And the reason why that's so important is because without faith, all the enemy has to do is put something in front of your eyes and he's got you. Without faith, all the enemy has to do is to let something feel good and you're gone. Or let something feel bad and you're gone, which is important for us to understand that this Christian walk involves things that feel bad. 
And if you expect to survive as a Christian without any capacity to feel less than good, you're not going to make it far. Because Jesus is not shy that suffering comes with this walk. So it's very important that we become people of faith so that we can navigate this, this, this world called, called, called a life with Jesus. Christianity. Week one for our 21 days is have, uh, we're going to focus on having faith in God. Week two, the prayer scriptures are about having faith for our lives. And then week three is having faith for the world, everything outside of, of, of us. And, uh, yeah, having faith in God is what we're starting out with. So that's what we're going to really ask the Lord to do is to, to help us build our faith in him. And the scripture for today is in Matthew chapter 18, 19 through 20. And it reads as so. Jesus says, again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. That's the scripture for today. That's the scripture that we're using to really activate and inspire our prayers. And it's an amazing scripture that, that wherever there's two, if we agree, we can ask anything in the name of Jesus and we'll see it done. And, and uh, it's, a, it's a pretty powerful uh, position that Jesus seems to be giving his followers and uh, last, well, yesterday, I do want to say this. Yesterday, we had a great kickoff um, for our 21 days of prayer. And uh, we had a guest come to Nashville from Church of the Highlands in Birmingham. And uh, his name is Stu Enlow, and he's the prayer coordinator for their church. And he brought all, their, all of his team leads for the different prayer uh, auxiliaries at Church of the Highlands. And they came, and they just blessed us. They gave a great word, but even more than that, they just brought love and community and connection and encouragement. They got to do a question and answer with our prayer team and got to give them some tips and tools of, of how to build a better prayer culture in our church. Uh, but he spoke a lot. Stu spoke a lot on authority. Um, there, he was so much about the, the authority of prayer and how prayer is really a demonstration of authority for the church, and as new as this can feel to us, this is actually not a new concept at all. It goes back to the origin of mankind. The very first humans that were created, that were created, Adam and Eve, they were created as a, as a position of authority on earth. Uh, that's not a new concept. God has always intended, and when he first made mankind, he gave them an assignment to rule and subdue. Those are the words, besides being fruitful and multiply, that's the other thing that he told them to do, to rule the earth and subdue it. And, and that was his idea. He goes, I will, I will make something in my image, which was the human being, and they will be an extension of my authority but for earth. So I will delegate authority to human beings, and, and through me they will rule and they will subdue 
the world. And that was our original position, if you didn't know that. Human beings were originally created to rule the earth and subdue the earth. But then there was a very significant plot twist, and that is something called sin. Sin entered the world, and it caused human beings to totally forfeit their authority that they were given on earth. And they had this crazy demotion. They went from being rulers of the earth to slaves. And I'm not sure if you understand, but there is a major difference between a ruler and a slave. And human beings went from being rulers of this earth to slaves. The Bible says that anyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. So we have this crazy dilemma on earth where the people that were called to be the rulers are now the slaves. And, and there was only one thing that could, that could fix this issue, and that was for God to send a human being who was void of sin to come on the earth to die and shed his blood as a sacrifice. And when he rose this person up whose name is Jesus, Jesus then became the restoration of authority for mankind. He became the first human being since Adam and Eve that was a ruler over the earth and not a slave to sin. It was a huge event. And as huge as it was, it didn't stop there because Jesus happened to be a ruler that wanted to share that space with other people. So he allowed himself to be an open door to anyone else that who wants to can live a life through him and have their authority restored as well, hence the church. That's what the body, we are the ones who chose to leave our lives as slaves, choose Jesus as Lord, and through his lordship, we now have the authority that was once supposed to be ours that was taken away, and now it's restored through Jesus. So whenever we pray, it's us demonstrating our restored authority to get things done on earth as it is in heaven. And it's a wonderful, wonderful miracle. That's why prayer is so much more than just, you know, before you eat your food. You know, like it's, it's actually meant to accomplish things. It's, a, it's meant for you to execute the authority that's been delegated to you as a believer in Jesus. And he spoke on that, and it really fired us up, those who were there, to, to use this authority that we have that the Bible is talking about. And, and sometimes, I'm not sure if you guys can relate, but, you know, it's, it's not always easy for me to accept how much authority the, the Lord God has given to me as a, as a Christian um, because, you know, I'm one of those people, I'm not sure if you guys can relate, but it's like, Lord, are you sure you want to give me that kind of power? Like, do you, do you know my life? Like, do you know the things that go through my head sometimes? Like, do, do you know what I did 10 minutes ago, let alone 10 years ago? Like, do, do you really, are you sure? Are you sure that, that, that I am, am, am suitable for that kind of authority to where I can, I can ask you all these things and see you, see you do it. And if you've ever wondered that, it's, it is, it's a valid question because we're flawed, you know. We, we're redeemed, but we are still, you know, not perfect. We still uh, fall short of the glory of God. And it's hard to, 
to reconcile this truth with this, these crazy claims that we, I don't want to say crazy, but very radical claims that, that the Lord says that the believers have and the authority that we have. But then I, I, I noticed something in the wording that I think brings balance and might answer some questions and maybe makes, bring some peace and some clarity to people that are wrestling with this great authority and power that we're reading about. Matthew 18, 19 through 20 says, Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Now, we've talked about this before. I got that book, Brandon, I still have that book about the promises of God. Whenever you see the promises of God in Scripture, you have to look for the word if. There's always an if. And whenever you see the if, do not ignore it, please, for your sake and the sake of your families. Do not ignore the if, because that if clause is very important. And it's usually the if clause that is what determines the then clause, which is the promise. So yes, the Lord has given us authority to ask anything in the Father's name and to see it done. But the if is if two of you agree on earth. So now we have this word called agreement. And I think that this is the smartness of God, the genius of God. He gives us this amazing power, this amazing authority, but it's contingent on us agreeing with each other here on earth. And I'm like, God, you just can't get by him. Because, yes, it's amazing authority. It's amazing power, something that almost makes us uncomfortable. In fact, it makes a lot of us uncomfortable when we hear about the power that we have and the authority that we have. But the balance of, is it of it's, it's, it's contingent on you having agreement with one another. Agreement is what ignites the authority that allows us to pray with power for things to happen. And I just believe in my heart from what I've seen in our church, from what I've even seen in my own life, is sometimes we're quick to go, man, I can ask God and I'm going to see him move. But we have to remember that the if clause is very important and agreement is a necessity for authority. Agreement is needed for us to have the authority that we've been called to. We need to have not only agreement with God, but we need to have agreement with one another. It's huge. It's more huge than most of us realize. And I, I was sitting with it as I was preparing. And this is the fourth week I think this has happened. Y'all have heard me say it if y'all have been here before. But I've been just, as an exercise, I've been reading verses before and the verses after, like, the focused verse. So, like, in this case, the focused verse is Matthew uh, 18, 19, and 20. And I was like, Lord, I wonder what the verses are before that, and I wonder what the verses are after. And I went before, and just like I was last week, I was blown away that what I was sensing ended up being the very thing that Jesus talks about. Now, before I read it, I'm going to preface with this. The, the, the human part of me doesn't really want to talk about this. 
And the reason why is because no one, none of us like sounding like a broken record. None of us really enjoy repeating ourselves. And I feel like I've preached about this before, and I'm like, Lord, I taught about this last year, and I teach about it, you know, I've taught about this before. And I just can't seem as much as I want to, uh, you know, move on, I'm, I'm, I'm a servant of, of someone else. You know, I'm, 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 I have to obey the Lord. And when it comes to the Holy Spirit, I have to trust that the Holy Spirit knows where we're strong in and where we're weak in. And I love Nashville. I wouldn't choose to go anywhere else but this place. And I mean that. It's not actually because I'm the pastor. I would have told you this four years ago when I wasn't the pastor. I really do love us. But I also know our, our weaknesses. And I think when it comes to this particular area, I, I, I'll go as far to say that I believe that it's a, it's a wrinkle. It's a spot on, on, on our church. And the Lord says he's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. So it's important for us to get stuff ironed out so that we don't have a bunch of wrinkles when he comes back and a bunch of spots on, on, on our garment, our figurative garment. So I believe this is a wrinkle, and I believe that the Lord is very persistent, and I believe that he is not going to unleash certain things that we want to see in this church and over this church until we deal with things that he's bringing to our attention. And Lord knows, like I said, I'm like, Lord, again, he goes, until we see change, y'all are going to hear about it. So here we are. This is the part before verse 19, verse 15. It says, if your brother sins against you, Go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Now, this is either good news or bad news, depending on how you're looking at it. And the truth about it is, is the news is, whether you find it good or bad, the news is that Jesus has allotted for sin to happen against each other in the church. He actually has built a system that makes an allowance for us to sin against each other and still remain friends and still remain close. I say that because that's very countercultural. We kind of live in a one-strike-you're-out type of community or world and society, and if someone sins against you, especially if it's on purpose, I think this applies even if it's not on purpose, but especially if it's on purpose, we actually have gotten to a point in society where it's, you know, it's godly to no longer be <laughs> friends with them. But the Lord is telling us that if your brother sins against you, that does not mean the relationship is supposed to be over. In fact, it means that you're supposed to lean in and not lean back. And we have a community that likes to lean back when they experience a hurt. And I think it's important for you to understand that you're going the opposite way of what Jesus is telling us to do. It says, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. This needs to be a discreet thing. If he listens to you, you have gained a brother. Verse 16, but if he does not listen, 
you would think then it says, okay, cool, you can write them off and they are dead to you and you've got my blessing. But it still doesn't say it. It says take one or two others, which means there's still a level of discreteness that's supposed to have. And you're supposed to continue to lean in uh, so that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Verse 17, if he refuses to listen to them, sounds like a character. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. So you're still not done. You still can't say dead to me in Jesus' name. Like, you, 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 that's not a thing yet. That's not a thing. It says, let him be to you. So yeah, so and then if he refuses to listen to the church, if the church is all saying, yo, this is the deal, and they just don't, then it says, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. And just so you know, Gentile and tax collector, that still doesn't mean dead to you. That just means you regard to them as someone in your life that is essentially unrighteous. But the thing about that, the reason why that's still not necessarily the end of a relationship, because how many of us, have interactions with people who are not believers. And we're called to be nice to them, and we're called to invite them to church. We're called to pray for them. We're called to still, you know, buy them lunch. You know, we don't live a life where we are called to, like, shun unrighteous people. And in fact, that's our mission field. So even, even someone who intentionally sins against you, refuses to apologize, bring you bring other people, and they still say, oh, you are crazy. It says, now, it says, let them be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. And the key phrase there is to you, which means that even if they have done all these things wrong to you and did all these things denied and, and didn't listen to anything, it doesn't mean that you, can't, you don't have the right to say they're not saved. You don't have the right to say they're not a believer. It says just as far as your life is concerned, that's probably not your prayer partner. That's probably not the person that you're going to asking for intercession and healing. That's not the person that you're trying to receive the word of God from. It just means that that's a tax collector or a Gentile to you. So my point is, as, as, as thorough as that is, verse 18 jumps immediately to truly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And then we're at verse 19. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. Verse 18, binding and loosing. You've probably heard, if you've been to more than one prayer meeting, you've heard about the scripture. of We can bind things on earth and we can see it bound in heaven. We can bind things and loose things and we have the authority to, to make change in our lives. But again, guys, you have to understand that this scripture is attached to agreement being kept amongst brothers. Agreement is the goal and the reason why Lord is making it us go through so many steps and loops before we say a relationship is over when it comes to a brother and a sister. It's not so much that he wants us all to get along, which he does. That's a good thing for us to, to remain brothers, to remain friends. 
but there's actually a higher calling than just the destination of everybody's friends. He loves that, but that's not what he's really going for. He wants us to have the authority to bind and loose things through our prayers. He wants us to have the authority to see the earth move through our prayers. But that authority is contingent on the agreement that we have amongst each other, which is why Jesus is intentionally making it scripturally difficult to sever. He's not saying that it's impossible to sever, but he says you got to make sure you go through the proper steps before. And this is about protecting the power of agreement. Why? Because agreement is what unlocks the authority that we've been called to have in our prayer lives. Agreement is the, that's the precious part that needs to be, anything that is precious, I believe, and anything that is valuable needs to have uh, layers of protection to make it where it's not so easy to get to it. So when you think about, you know, I don't know, like even pearls, you know, they, they are, they're covered by a hard shell because that's meant to protect the, the precious pearl that's inside. Or, or your bank account. You know, there's a PIN number that no one's supposed to know because they want to make it to where it's not easy for people to get to what is valuable to your life. Even your heart, the Bible says your heart is valuable, so it needs, you need to guard it because it's valuable. Even, I was, you know, even with, you know, quarterback, a quarterback in football is who makes a play happen. So he has the offensive line that makes sure that it's, you got to get through them, these huge guys, before you get to the quarterback because if the quarterback's down, the play is ruined. So anything that is of value has to have certain things where you got to get through it before you get to what's precious. And in this case, guys, what I believe the Lord is showing us is that the precious pearl is agreement. And the Lord says, I've got to make it to where you have to go through this and then through this and then through this before you get to this. The Lord is putting a parameter of security because he knows that once our agreement is broken, then our authority is broken. And when we don't have agreement amongst the brethren, we don't have the authority to bind things that need to be bound and loose things that need to be loosed. And I'm preaching to a church that I know has become jaded sometimes to these scriptures about whatever you bind on earth because we've heard it before and we've bind things and we've loosed things and it looks like the world is still getting worse. But I want to make sure that we're not quick to say that that scripture isn't true or you can't take it literally. I'm the kind of person that goes, well, let's re-examine the scripture and make sure that we are doing everything that the Bible says is required. When God gives a command, it's almost like recipes for a, for a dish. And if you leave a recipe out, you're not going to get the product that the recipe says that you can make. And I believe we have too many believers who are trying to make cakes without eggs and leaving out flour. And then when it comes out looking like mush, we're, the, we're very quick to say that recipe is bogus. And all I'm saying is, y'all, can we at least review the recipe and realize, oh, snap, it calls for baking powder. <laughs> no wonder it didn't rise. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I just don't, but it, it, takes too much, it takes humility. And I want to make sure we have a church 
that is willing to say, yo, if we're not producing what this word says we produce, instead of me joining the club of these scriptures aren't true or this recipe is, is bogus, how about we look, oh, it says if you agree, I don't agree with anybody. <laughs> That's why I need to find some agreement here. See how this works? The goal is impact. The goal is the end where it says you, uh, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. That's what we're trying to get to. We're trying to get to the place to where we're so effective that when we have a prayer meeting, we're accomplishing more than just the good feeling of showing up. Guys, just so you know, this is not meant to be like, let me feel better about myself as a Christian because I went to two morning prayers. Like, if that is your goal and if you're only walking away with going, I did it. That is not why we're doing this. This is not a, a, a month to, let, to help you build your confidence as being a good Christian. We're having prayer meetings not so you can feel better about your Christian status, we are having prayer meetings because we want to bind things on earth and we want to loose things on earth, things that the enemy is doing. The Lord says that we actually have the authority to arrest spirits. Like we can actually say that spirit is arrested in Jesus' name and that spirit has to be in handcuffs and leave. We can actually loose things that need to happen in our church, that need to happen in our life. Lord, I want to see more of this. Your word says that we're supposed to have this, and I want to see more of this. We loose this in Jesus' name. And some of us are like, oh, well, you know, I don't know if that can. I'm telling you, you got there because the recipes are sometimes missing key ingredients. And I'm realizing that I know that we deal, we're in a society, and I pastor a church that struggles with confrontation. I understand it, and I actually get it at the same time. As Christians, we do not have the right to uphold our emotional preferences and our emotional comfort over kingdom commands. You know, the Bible says to follow Jesus, you have to deny yourself. So that might mean being in some situations that, God forbid, are awkward. You know, like, like we, we make it like if it's awkward, then it cannot be the will of God. If it's, if, it's, if, it's, if it's difficult, then surely Jesus, who loves me, would never ask me to do something that, that makes me uncomfortable emotionally. And we build theologies on this and we build our lives on this that our obedience only goes as far as our emotional comforts will allow us. And we're wondering why we're not seeing the impact in our prayers that the Lord is saying that we can have. I'm telling you, I love Nashville Life, but it's, it's, it's a confrontational thing. And those of you who are new, you know, like, welcome. You know, like, we're not perfect. You know, like, we, I, you know, I, I want to, might as well, you might as well know what our strengths are. Obviously, you know, we worship great. We got some great music. You know, we got some nice people, but we struggle with confrontation. And a lot of, I'm not sure if it's a southern thing. I'm not sure if it's a, a religious thing of where, you know, and religious basically, when I mean that, the religious spirit is more 
concerned with the outward than the inward. And we're more concerned about presenting ourselves as righteous, even if we're not necessarily righteous and, and on the inside. And if we, if we aren't careful, we can get caught up in that. And, you know, I was, you know, in deep prayer, and I got a very spiritual reference um, to help make this point. But, I mean, and no shame here, I've seen it. But the movie Mean Girls, I was thinking about Mean Girls. And it's a, it's a movie about mean girls. And, and, and there's this mean girl that, that, that what goes up to this girl and says, oh, my gosh, I love that bracelet. Where did you get it? And then she leans to her friend and goes, that's the ugliest bracelet I've ever seen in my entire life. And I was like, that's what we've made Christianity. And we think we're being polite. And our efforts to be polite is making us liars. It's making us liars and we're saying kind things to people in their face. And then we're saying bad things about them. We're not around in in the name of being Christ-like. And we're going, well, this is kind and this is polite, but it's, it's dishonest. And I believe, in, I believe in kindness, but I believe the way that Jesus showed kindness was by being truthful and by being real. And that's the most, just so you know, I can't speak for everybody else, but for anyone who's friends with me or has a relationship with me, I like it real. If I've got a booger in my nose, you tell me, bro, you got a booger in your nose. Now, 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 now do it discreetly. Don't get on Facebook. Alvin had a booger in his nose today. I'm honest, Alvin. I was being honest. No, bro. Like, tell me in a way where it's like, okay, thank you. Like, because that's the reason why that's kindness to me. And just, I can only speak for myself. I can't speak for y'all. Some of y'all are like, don't tell me. I would rather just please, whatever you, I, that, I can't relate to that. Because every person who doesn't tell me, that means 10 more people are going to see this big old booger in my nose. That's not kind. One of the kindest things that ever happened to me was hilarious. I was in college and this girl named Sarah Silva, I'll never forget. And I was talking to her, and we, I was just talking, we were talking about life, and I guess I was kind of close. And she, she, she pulled out a stick of gum. She said, here you go, sugar. And she passed me some. And I remember cracking up but being so impressed that she was like, yo, you need some gum. And some of you are like, oh, I just could never. I just could never. That's so mean. You want to tell me what's mean? Mean is letting me go the rest of my day talking to people with jacked up breath. Like, like that is mean. That is mean. That's mean girl behavior. How does this suit look? Oh, you look great. Oh, man, he looks a mess. And you call that kind. You call that polite. You call that wise. And what it's doing, it's, it's, it's creating two worlds. The world that you present and what's really going on in your heart. And the Lord says that until we learn to agree in spirit and in truth, it's got to be in truth. We did this years ago, not years ago, last year, and it was really effective. I preached on this again last year, and I... I encourage everyone to, to, to talk to people and, and, and tell them if there's something that they've got that's less than positive. And I, I really do mean less than positive. I even want to say offense because there's a new thing now where it's like, well, I'm not offended. Like, if it's less than positive, 
this counts. I remember I was talking to him. Uh, I, I, he was in first service, and I honored him, but I had a, a great encounter a couple years ago with uh, Charles Cleveland, great man in our church. He and his wife and kids have served in our church for years, and he, he uh, had an interaction with me, and I didn't even remember what happened. But he called me about a week later. Actually, it was a couple days later. And he said, hey, uh, I ran into your church and the interaction, I don't know, you, it might be nothing, but are we good? Like, do you have anything uh, against me uh, or does that do anything to offend you? Because there's something about just kind of your disposition was just a little bit different than what it usually is. And I went, Charles, thank you. Oh, man, I remember being so grateful. It turned out to be nothing at all. Like, I was like, I really have no idea what you're talking about, but I'm so glad you're talking to me because I easily could have had something. It could have been something, and that would have been a time for me to say, yeah, you know, which, again, will require honesty on my part. So it's a two-way street. Like, he came to me and was like, is there an issue? But then if I did the same thing that I'm saying that the mean girls do, and that is to say, oh, no, nothing's the matter. Oh, you're fine. We're good. And then I call my dad. I'm like, Charles sucks, man. Like, like, <laughs> like that would be mean. Because he's thinking we're at peace. So I went, yo, we're actually good. Thank you so much for saying that. No, I, zero. He goes, cool, just making sure. And I remember actually saying, Lord, can that multiply at Nashville Life? Can we have people that, that can push past the, 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 the awkwardness or the, the whatever, whatever words you use that's stopping you from, from, from doing it and just saying, yo, yo, are we good? And then if someone says that to you, then be honest back. Oh, well, you know, I'm just like that. Okay, guys, we got to call a spade a spade. Anything that discourages you from obeying Jesus is wicked. It's not a vice or a weakness. Or we have, we're really good at using language that diminishes what something actually is. And as long as this is just, yeah, I know, then it will stay with us for 15 years or more. It is not until we face up and say, this is wicked. And the reason why it's wicked, not because I'm just such a bad person, but it's aborting the power that the, that the church is supposed to have. Because remember, all of this, verse 15, was just a setup so that verse 19 can happen. To where we start binding and loosing. And then we have the authority to see things happen through our prayers. The thing is agreement. Agreement is what the Lord is trying to protect. He's trying to protect. So we got some work to do because these 21 days, I'm telling you, I'm not waking up at 4.30 for nothing. I love sleep. And I, 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 I'm, I'm walking. I'm going to be opening the doors. It's going to be probably dark. If we're going to do this, let's be effective. There's other ways we can stroke our religious egos that, that allow us to sleep <laughs> and eat. If we're going to do this, let's do it. And the word says that the way 
that we can do it is there's an if clause and we have to have agreement. So the assignment between now and, and you might say that's too much time. I need more time to process. The Bible does not give you that time to process. It says before the sun goes down. The church, we have used the, the word process has become such a Trojan horse for the church, for the enemy. Because process sounds great. It sounds even godly. It sounds wise. But what it ends up being is a license for you to wait three weeks, three months, three years, all in the name of processing. Meanwhile, the, the very next scripture about the sun going down in your anger is that don't give the enemy a foothold. So every day that you wait to say what you need to say to that brother or sister is a long, widening the door for the enemy to do all types of gross things in your life. I promise you this. I know this like I know my name. There's a reason why the Lord says handle it quickly. Handle it quickly. Before the day is even over, handle it quickly. Handle it quickly because when you process that's basically you using your own understanding to trump God's word. And I know it sounds nice, and I know you found other people who talk the same way, and I know it makes you guys feel good, but two wrongs have never made a right, and it never will. And again, guys, this is not to step on your toes and to make you suffer, to make you feel bad. It's about being effective so that when we pray, there's agreement from an actual heart level. And the Bible says that we will have authority. Truly, he says, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Guys, that means suicide. That means, that means untimely death. That means disease. And that means witchcraft. And that, 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 means, that means all the things that you think are destroying communities. The Bible says that we can actually say we bind that in the name of Jesus and we will see it bound. The Bible also says that we can say I loose things so things are supposed to see. If we want to see more humility, if we want to see more reconciliation, if we want to see more healthy marriages, if we want to see more uh, uh, healthy pregnancies, we can actually loose these things and see it happen. And the Lord is saying, can your desire for that be greater than your own emotional comfort? Can your desire to be effective please be greater than your desire to basically, I don't know, not do it? So that's why I'm saying, I, I, I promise you it was not my goal to talk on this. In fact, Real talk, I've been trying to talk about something else. But when I pulled up, I saw from the prayer thing that the 19, verse 19 was our prayer target. And I've just been doing this for the past few weeks. I looked up, I went, oh, man, we are back at this unity thing. We are back at this deal with stuff between each other thing. So I'm not going to kick against the goads. Apparently, this is something that we still need to grow in. And I believe this is the goodness of God.
that is letting us know the things that are hindering us from being effective. The Lord does not want to waste your time. And I'm grateful for that. And he's going, if there's things that are in your life that are making you futile in your efforts, I want you to know about it. I'm going to pray. Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you, Lord, that you are calling us to authority, authority that we have as the body of Christ. Lord, you say that we have the authority to actually bind things that need to be bound in the earth, and we'll see it bound in heaven, and, and, and we, can, we can lose things. Lord, even unbelief, we can bind it. Like, there are stories of saints who, 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 who bound unbelief. They binded it, and, and they saw people believe that couldn't believe. Like, we can actually see healings, physical healings. Lord, I'm just, I'm overwhelmed at the possibilities that your word says when it says that anything we ask, Lord, we can see things that are in your will and things that are in your word happen. But Lord, help us to celebrate without ignoring the if. And when it comes to that if clause, we have to have agreement. Agreement is what ignites the authority for us to be effective in our prayers. And we're about to have 21 days, God, of prayer. Lord, I believe that with agreement, we can do more through 21 days of prayer than we can do in a decade of offense and disagreement. Lord, I don't believe that you want it to take long for us to see change happen in our lives, in our community. I don't believe that you want to take long at all. I believe that you're waiting on us. Lord, I just almost see clouds that are just bursting at the seams of blessings that want to be unleashed on the lives of people in this church. But we've got to find unity. We've got to find agreement. We've got to handle things and handle it the way that you called us to handle it. Lord, so I pray for your spirit to bring to mind and heart anybody in this church, in our spiritual community, in our spiritual lives, not necessarily unbelievers, but brothers and sisters in Christ, that we have offense towards or we believe have offense toward us. God, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would give us the courage and the humility to make that call. To put in that time and follow the steps according to the word of God. Jesus, you are Lord. You are our authority. We put your direction above anything that we feel or think. We lay down our will at the altar. We lay down our understandings at the altar. And we turn to you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God.
in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to ask us all to stand. I kept you longer than I planned. I want to get you out. We can't skip this part. This part is a time where everybody has an opportunity to confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus is Lord. And what happens is when you do that, the Bible says that you will be saved, that you will now have the living Savior on the inside of your heart. And he's going to give you the grace and the courage to step out and do all the things that he's called you to do, things that might be scary, things that might seem hard. If you follow Jesus, he'll give you the strength to do it all. So I'm going to ask us all to pray this prayer. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead on the third day. Forgive me of my sins and make me a new person in Christ. Lord Jesus, I choose you to be, to be my Lord and Savior. Fill me with the Holy Spirit so I can live for you every day. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Praise God. That's a real prayer. And if you pray that, your life, I promise, in Jesus' name, will never be the same. But we want you to continue following with us. If you said yes to the Lord for the first time, let us know. Text BELONG to 77411, and it will give uh, you some instructions on how to get more connected to the faith. And we've got some scriptures that will help you out. We have a prayer team that's here to pray for you and to pray. If you have any prayer needs, let us know. Um, if you would like to come to Next Steps, I'm about to go upstairs right after we dismiss and lead us in step one. So stay, I won't keep you long, but it's going to be a great first step into learning more about our church. So I would love for you to come. And then lastly, if you want to give, thank you in advance. Please give online or you can give to our finance team in the back. Um, and I'll see you all tomorrow if you guys want at 6 a.m. I'll be here and we'll pray. Um, Father, oh yes, sorry, there is a white Honda CRV parked in the alleyway and they are about to tow it very soon. So if you have a white Honda CRV, please don't be towed. Please move the car. Uh, let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Bless everyone here. I thank you for the word of God. Let it produce great fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a good rest of your day. Thank you.